Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, this is Vanessa, and this is Asabi, and together we are Wine, Wine and Sympathy. Sympathy. Yes, how you going, my lovely lady? Oh, sorry. Hold on, I've got to have a bit of a sip of my old rosé. Oh, yes, yes. What are we partaking in? Do you want to tell us a little bit about this This delicious? one actually today is from our local sponsor, First Choice Liquor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Love um, them. Delicious. Um, it's a beautiful French rosé uh, on sale at the moment for 10 bucks because, folks, we are actually looking for an alcohol sponsor. Yes, we are. So if you would love to sponsor two beautiful, stunning women. Like maybe like four bottles a day. I mean, a week. I mean, okay. Four bottles a day would be fantastic. <laughs> we would drink every last drop. Six <laughs> bottles a month, I think would be great. Six bottles a month would be amazing. Yeah. So if you would love to sponsor us, get in touch with our producer, that's not canon.com. Um, or you could contact us directly. We're on all the socials on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We are on Twitter. Are we on YouTube? Because <laughs> if we could call ourselves YouTube Face. We need to get on YouTube. We are not on t- YouTube yet. I was just to say, we're not on Twit Face yet. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we do need to get on YouTube. That that will happen shortly at some point. Anyway, outside of Rosé. Outside of Rosé. I am okay. Good. Been very busy. Mm. Yeah, I've got a yeah. couple of productions in uh, pre-production. Um I've just been promoted at work. Fantastic. Uh, sorry, the cat has been hilarious. She is. Um, she's, she's gotten into rolling on her back. And, and crawling up in between stuff. It's very cute. Yep. Um, and, yeah, just, like, real busy. A couple of trivia gigs with the Funky Bunch trivia and, you know, life. That's right, people. Funky Bunch trivia on every Wednesday night in Logan Home. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. So come check her out if you're a trivia buff. Or you like to get out and drink and answer really odd questions and play games? Come see Ness. Yeah, look at home. Yeah, she's great. In the flesh. She's great. Yeah. I'm Oh, hey, look. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> what? You know, just the normal gigs. Um, I've had a few festivals canceled on me here thanks to uh, COVID and lockdown in our southern states oh, it's quite so much love to so Melbourne much love to you guys and sydney and south australia yes yeah, so you know get well soon we miss you um yeah it is and, and i feel that this second wave if you can call it that because it's kind of what it feels Did? like it's well i mean in, in this large capacity where they're like canceling festivals again and things oh, like right, so right, many right. things are getting canceled um I it's hitting harder with myself and with my creative friends because yeah. we really thought we were through it and it's kind of like 2020 all over again Ugh. so it's it, uh, there are a lot of people that are hit harder this time around especially since you know we got up and going again July of last year roughly and yeah. I'm fully going by November of last year. I mean, I've been playing gigs. I played a festival. Lots of things. It's almost like we need a life coach. Almost like that. And speaking of life coaches, let 
us segue to our guest today. So our guest, Leslie Crudup Villa Garcia. I don't know, did I just say your name? Crudup. I can't I can't read and I can't speak. Crude. She's crude. She's crude. She's gorgeous. Um, so she's not just a no-nonsense life coach, people. She is a lifelong challenger of social constructs around success, relationships, monogamy, and authority. So all you police people, what, what? Um, <laughs> this fuels her passion for empowering clients to develop the mindset to make an impact beyond themselves to their communities and to global society. She is a triple citizen. Check it, y'all. What? This is something I aspire to be. Um, being from the U.S., Peru, and Australia. Yeah. And has worked as an educator, trainer, curriculum developer, and e-learning designer for businesses and universities in New York City, Europe, Asia, and Australia, where she is now a full-time life coach. In Australia, babies. Yes. Through her extensive experience working in cross-cultural capacities around the world, she has developed a keen ability to connect with clients at optimal levels of communication. She holds formal qualifications in life coaching, as well as a master's degree in applied linguistics, which she read me on during her podcast, um, which <laughs> her YouTube, her YouTube channel, that's right, which bolsters her hyper awareness of how language impacts the mind and how the words we use can shape our self beliefs and our destinies. Welcome, Leslie Crudup Villa Garcia. I, I can't, I don't speak Spanish, woman, you Seriously, know this. Seriously, that was like the biggest intro ever. And you've got a lot, <laughs> you've got a lot to talk about. epic intro and then all the syllables to pronounce my name. Villa Garcia. I should know that too with the double L's and mm. all the Spanish songs I, I was made to sing. America, Australia, and Peru. You can only be from one. There was a bit of ad-libbing there with the word from. Right. Yeah, it's <laughs> so technically she holds... Residency. Passports. No, citizenship. Uh, she holds citizenship. citizenship. Yeah. So I was born in the U.S. My mother is from Peru, so I was registered as a Peruvian citizen shortly after I was born, and I became naturalized as an Australian citizen in 2014. Welcome. Welcome. So, yeah, so she's a trifecta passport holder, as I like to think of it. It's what I aspire so to are be. Are you sure? Because I thought you had to like get rid of your other passports just to have the Aussie one. It no. It depends on the reciprocal agreements between countries. I made damn sure of that yeah. right. before I applied for citizenship here. Mm. That's right. Like I'm a dual citizen, so I hold two passports. See, I had to give up my Kiwi to be Aussie. Did you? Yep. Yeah, that's just one of the agreements they have. Right. I know yeah. there are, like, so China has that agreement, India has that agreement, mm. Uh, and it's it's with India, so Australia is okay with you having multiple Let's citizenships. Be honest, who needs a fucking passport? Right now, we can't go anywhere. And technically, I could qualify for a Spanish passport, well, for Spanish citizenship, but I would have to rescind my other citizenship. Yeah, so like, exactly. Uh, no, the Spaniards don't like it. <laughs> you know, America used to be that way. They used to make you choose. Like you could be a dual citizenship until you reached adulthood. So at eighteen, they would make you. And technically, they can still do that because there's no – so they don't have a law that says you're not allowed to be a dual citizen, but at any time, they can go up to you and say, we have decided that you yeah. need to choose. They yeah. do super weird. Mm. That's right, they yeah. They sort of frown upon it. Is something you're proud of, the fact that you are from or part of so many different nations? Um, I'm not sure if pride is the – 
the perfect word to describe it, but it is a very important part of my identity because for me it highlights that global perspective I've cultivated since early childhood. Because even before I moved to Australia, I was a very avid international traveler. So working and studying in a bunch of different places um, really helped me to get that global perspective on what people deem to be you know, their definition of success, the things that different cultures hold as priorities, mm. the way different cultures communicate with other, and that ties into my interest in language as well. So, I mean, I, I don't walk up to people in parties and say, hey, I've got three citizenships. <laughs> <laughs> of course don't not. you? <laughs> I, I was thinking yeah. of getting it tattooed on my forehead. Yeah. So you have to do that. No, exactly. You don't have to explain yourself. But, I mean, do people ever ask you, like, where are you from? And when you say, well, I'm from America, no, but where are you really from? Where are you really from? And then you oh, could just yeah. be like, well, I mean, I have three passports, so <laughs> take your no, pick. I still haven't gotten that application for my Peruvian passport in, but I do qualify. Yes, okay. So it's just perpetual to-do list stuff. People do ask me where I'm from a lot. Mm. Sometimes I just make stuff up. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I wish people asked me where I was from, but I didn't get that. Really? No one yeah. ever asked you? Oh. No. Nope. I didn't ask you? No. Nope. Where are you from? Where are you from, at the NASA? Um, okay, so I was born on a plane that was flying above Australia and New Zealand at the same time. Nice. And there was this, like, uh, sort of, uh, it was a storm, and the plane <laughs> was attacked <laughs> by a lightning bolt. That's a bit of a big plane to be yeah. over Australia. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Gotta work yeah. on that. Time. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so no, but, but where are you really from, Vanessa? <laughs> oh, really from? Like, really from, from? Like, where are you from from? My mother's form. There you go. All right. I really think my family actually they sort of started well if I say this they're gonna get yucky with me but they started breeding out with white people we're originally Chinese and gypsies and we started breeding out with white people I don't mm. know why maybe they felt the pressure maybe mm. I mean it does happen there's like I know there's a very famous portrait <laughs> picture not a portrait it's a picture in Brazil that shows three generations of women and it shows the grandmother who's quite dark because Brazilian slaves, you know, they're quite dark. And then the daughter is lighter skin because the grandmother was either raped or had a baby with a white man. And then the daughter has married a white man. So the baby is quite white. And that this, I remember hearing that this photo was sort of the depiction of how to grow in Brazil to to sort of breed out the blackness. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Gross. It's very gross. But, I mean, colorism is a huge thing across many cultures. Yeah. Um, now, we digress. Let's get yes, back let's to get back guest. to Leslie. Uh, I'm Leslie. sorry for being so fascinating. Oh, like immediately, <laughs> off the, off, straight off the bat, you're like, boom. Tell me, you're a life coach. Yes. Oh. I've got a cat attacking my leg, so it's not that I'm not paying attention to you. I've just got a couple of nails digging into my... Wow. Just, so just manifested away. <laughs> Is that what you would tell somebody? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. And, and really, like that, that's, that's where I get into the whole rejecting the positive vibes only thing that happens so much in coaching. I, I mean, obviously, like I, I like to have a very 
positive outlook in life, but I'm also realistic. Mm. And it really drives me crazy. I was going to say crazy, but that sounds a bit ableist. (laughs) I find it very disappointing when when people who consider themselves like you know the wellness guru types walk around saying like oh well we can just transcend all the actual problems of the world it's like no we can't transcend anything like the real things that are happening in the world like we need to accept that they're happening and put together strategies to navigate through them and be able to experience joy throughout Agree. Agree. Agreed. So what would you tell somebody right now if they were coming to you as a life coach and they were going through a lot of struggles um, with this crazy-ass second wave we just discussed? Mm. What, would, what would... Oh, my God, I'm throwing you right in it. But what would you say? What would you say to somebody going, I'm, I'm coming to you and I'm, I'm suffering, I'm freaking out. How can I get through this? I would start by asking them questions. So I wouldn't tell them anything. I would probably say, tell me more about these struggles you're having. Mm-hmm. That's where I would start. Right. Mm. And do you get people to sort of work through their their issues and come up with their own solutions by talking through them? Talking through their troubles? Yes. Yeah. I ask a lot of different types of questions. And I think that's something that a lot of people aren't cognizant of the fact that there are a lot of different like distinctive question types that people use when they interact with each other that can drive a conversation and can elicit information from a person. Yeah, it's all about asking a question differently or in the manner that you speak of to get the right response. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I get that. Mm. Should we take a break? Let's take a quick break. Hey there, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. It's Matt Young, and I want you to listen to the Story Chunder podcast. It's based on the live event where Brisbane storytellers tell true and sometimes embarrassing stories from their lives for the delight and approval of a live audience. So listen in to the Story Chunder podcast. I'll see you at the Chunder. And we're back. We have a life coach, a YouTuber, uh, a fascinating human being who also loves tattoos and people uh, of extreme uh, abilities. And yes, abilities. <laughs> you were just at the tattoo expo, were you not? Yes, it's funny you say that I love tattoos, and it's true, I do, but I don't have any of my own. I've got some. Really? How really? come you don't have any? I, you know, when I was younger, when I was like in high school, I really, really wanted like a bunch of tattoos. Mm. But something convinced me to just wait until I got older, which I'm really glad I did. <laughs> because if I had gotten the tattoos I wanted when was I was a Was it a My Little Pony? Like right on your boob? Oh, no. It would have <laughs> been like Pearl Jam. Oh, like yeah. yeah. Like no. Rage Against the Machine lyrics just like all over my body. Well, Not I mean, that there's anything wrong with that. But yeah, you know, I, I, I needed yeah. to, to know about myself more. Mm. And I think the fact that I'm always learning more and more about myself has kind of made me, like, resist putting markings on my body. But now I'm like, no, it is time. Tattoos are quite permanent. I mean, they can be removed. I love tattoos. These days. But um, I I have one. (laughs) And it is in... uh, Your lower back, right? Chinese kanji. Yeah, it's on my shoulder blade. It's a kanji 
and it's my name. (laughs) (laughs) But people, obviously, people don't know that, so they see it. Yes. Yes. Which is my uh, my sign, my element, and uh, my uh, Chinese. Is it strength? Is that what it is? It's a Sagittarian wood rabbit. Oh, right. Because I'm the wood rabbit. Yes. And I'm Sagittarian. Yes, very good. Very so what good. We, what would, where would you get tattooed? I have been wanting a tattoo on my, on the, how it, this is left, right? The left side That's of yes. my back. Yeah. The shoulder. Mm-hmm. Behind my left shoulder. Mm-hmm. I've been feeling recently like there's something missing from that part of my body. Like right. a jaguar. <laughs> wow. Well, actually, that's where my tattoo is. Actually, mm. which is quite funny. The reason I've been thinking about that spot and this time to do it so much is that we're going through some really challenging stuff lately. And one thing that has really helped me travel through it is my family, my mm. husband, my daughter, our belief system, the things that brought us together. And I've been, I've really been wanting some way to depict that on my body in a way that is visible and permanent. And I spent a lot of time at the festival just going around to different artists, asking loads of questions. One of them being like, oh, do you have any experience tattooing darker skin tones? Right. (laughs) Because that's a different ball game. Mm -hmm. Is it? Yeah. yeah. Because of the tannin of the your skin obviously based with the ink. Okay, I'm getting it now. I'm a skin therapist, so I should know this. Yeah. A lot of it is keloid scarring. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Ah, okay. Yeah. But um I also spent a lot of time just sketching ideas, visualizing this tattoo that would that would uh symbolize my life right now and the things that are most important to me and the things that are most authentic to my experience. Mm. I love that. Because authenticity is very important to me. Yes. Yeah. Well, especially as a life coach, yeah, you, yeah. you need to be quite authentic to present to others as well. Yeah. Mm. How long have you married? I got married in 2014. My husband, Tony, and I met in Townsville on a parkour trip. Yes, Leslie does it all. <laughs> and do you have a daughter? How old is she? She is... Four and three quarters. Four and three quarters. And I'm sure she would tell everyone. And you're also polyamorous. Yes. How does that work, being married and having a four and three quarters baby? Pretty well most of the time. (laughs) It's, do you mean in terms of logistics? Well, like, is everybody okay with everything? Let's yeah. well let's let's step back for a second and let's talk about polyamory just in case some of our listeners are not familiar with what it is. So can you okay. explain to us what polyamory is? All right. Well, to to uh, give the probably simpler definition of it, it's being in a kind of relationship where or being a person who is open to having multiple loving partnerships with with more than one person. Right. And by loving, you mean physical. Because I think every day we have multiple relationships. We love other mm. people. I love my mom. I love my sister. I love Sabi. Mm-hmm. I love my boyfriend. I'm getting to love you. <laughs> oh, thank yeah. you. You're welcome. Yeah, um, I've been batting my eye. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like beautiful. And all the purple. Like the whole, uh, th- that's what relationships are, forming a love bond. Exactly. So is it just relationships or polyamory means... 
Well, it, it really focuses in on that romantic type of love. So intimate, more intimate than yeah. just friendship. It falls under the umbrella of ethical non-monogamy. So where things can be physical outside of that you know, core relationship, which is what I have, you know, my, my husband is also my nesting partner or my MP. There's there's a there's a whole like this terminology <laughs> that that you learn when you start exploring that way of living. But um, I also have another partner who lives in the U.S. who I actually have not met in person yet. Yeah. So clearly, there's no physical intimacy. But it's like a love connection. There. Yeah, we connected really on a uh, on a mental intellectual level, on an activist level. And yeah, that's been going on for probably about a year. Okay. Yeah. He also has a wife, and they have a baby daughter. So you guys kind of mirror each other in your families. To some degree, hmm. there there has been discussion of them possibly moving here in the coming years, and us all living together. Mm. I have chats with my my partner, with his with his partner, his wife. We, you know, we chat. You know, we text each other and things like that. So we're very connected in that way. Sure. Mm. Yeah. You kind of all have to be of one mind. Around. I mean, for me personally, I mean, I'm open to everything. I, I really want to learn, but I know that I'm a jealous person. Mm. I know I'm jealous. How do How do you get past that? How do you how do you, you obviously aren't jealous, like, at all? I, I can get jealous, but one thing that I've learned about jealousy is that it can be such an amazing teacher. Jealousy is a natural human emotion. Right. And one thing that's really important is to be able to recognize the difference between feeling jealousy and feeling envy. Because these two emotions involve different strategies to, to navigate. For example, my husband, he has another partner locally who he, he'll see her maybe once a week or something like that. And it's great. I don't feel jealous of their relationship because I don't feel like I'm going to lose him over it. Right. I do sometimes feel envious, <laughs> you know, and he's like, oh, well, I'm going to go out on, on a date with my partner. That's not how he talks. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've like met him. He doesn't talk like that. Yeah. Put the envious twinge on yeah. you. Yeah. That's the envy filter, yeah. Yeah. you know, like, it's like, oh, we're going to go away for the weekend or you know, I'm going to spend the night over there. And it's like, okay, have fun. And it's not because I have anything against their relationship at all. I think their relationship is great. It's just, <laughs> it's like, I want a boyfriend, <laughs> you mm, know? It's like yeah. Be, having those moments where it would be great to have someone locally who I could just, you know, get in a car and go see. Mm, mm. But, you know, my partner is in a country that I don't have any access to right now, so. How did you discover you were polyamorous? It's something I think I've always known. I actually, uh, well, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus here or out anyone, but I have had 
models of polyamorous relationships in people who are very close to me. <laughs> um, You're the only one who knows them, so it's yeah, fine. Yeah, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah. No you don't have to give names. About. Yeah. Okay, well, let's just say a couple of parents who shall rena- remain nameless. Your parents, okay. Well, you've only got <laughs> two of them. You've only got two of them, therefore it's your parents. parents. Somebody's parents Someone's in your parents. life. I don't have to say who. They could be anyone. It could be your parents. I don't know. Uh, well, um... <laughs> call them Brian and Rachel. Uh, you know, it's not something that we would discuss over the dinner table or anything, but it was just always a known thing that like that there was an agreement there that it they didn't so take ownership on. of each other and mm. like it really wasn't a regular discussion in mm. our home at all. So, could you use the term because I've heard this term before as well and and uh, me being not as familiar with polyamory, I just assume that that's what it was. But when people say they're in open relationships, is yeah. that that's basically the same sort of? Polyamory. Is it though, or is it just people not wanting to be monogamous? Because I know there's a difference. Mm. So there are people who are truly polyamorous, and yeah. then there are people who just don't want to commit, and so they say they're in an open relationship. That is a very good question because it points to one of the one of the most common questions or most common critiques of polyamorous lifestyles. A lot of people say, oh, well, if you're polyamorous, that's just an excuse for cheating. It's like, well, no, it's not that. Even open relationships aren't just an excuse for cheating. You're not cheating if you're talking about it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Open, like polyamory does fall under that open relationships umbrella to some degree. But one of the basic differences if you can call it that is that polyamory is about more than just having that permission to have sexual relationships with other people Mm. you know there are people who are very committed to each other who don't want to have like emotional connections outside of those relationships so it's like oh you know you can do whatever you want with whoever and you know that's that's fine that's perfectly valid but polyamorous people will go that one step further when they feel that they have that connection that real like deep intimate like love mm. for other people in some cases hmm yeah, I'm still struggling with this idea. Um, as a polyamorous person, as a mother, mm-hmm. as a wife, mm-hmm. as a life coach, yep. how, how would you talk to somebody if I was struggling with, with my choices, with my partner or my sexuality? Would coming to you be the best thing for me? It depends on what the concern is. Yeah. So can you give me an example of the kind of struggle? Like give a hypothetical example. I, I <laughs> okay, so... Oh, gosh. All I can think of is me, so I don't want to <laughs> say anything. Uh, well, <laughs> you mentioned something about jealousy before. Yeah, okay. So, uh, no, it's really, really hard. Make okay. up a person, <laughs> quickly. I can't. <laughs> let's make up. Let's I'll, 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 I'll step aside, though, because I'm, I'm thinking about it now, and every time, and I know everybody who listens to my podcast, I can't actually sure. talk about their stories yeah. or my story, so it's a bit hard. Mm. I just find it, I find it hard uh, to... S- Put yourself in the situation that you are mm. so open and so giving and you're helping everybody. Uh, what am I trying to say? 
Well, I can let I can give you a scenario. Okay. And and it's one that has happened to me. I'm not in a relationship. And I'm pretty sure my ex won't be listening to this. And if he does, I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I have a very close male friend. I've never been sexual with him ever. There might have been a time when I had a crush on him. But, I mean, that's 10 years ago. It's gone. It's, you know, it's never going to happen. But he is still a very close friend. Like, And he's a bit of a hermit if you will like he he doesn't i mean he he'll go out and he'll party and you know with his friends within reason um but you know for like birthdays he he doesn't you know he's i'm getting older i don't want to i don't want to talk about it blah, blah, blah. i know when his birthday is i'm one of the few people up here his family doesn't live up here but i'm one of the few people that knows when his birthday is i go and i see him on his birthday every year because I know that he's not going to do anything. And he's grateful for that. He doesn't, like, he's, you know, I'm an, I'm an Aussie male. I don't talk about feelings. You know, he's one of those. So when I was with my last partner, who I was completely in love with, thought I was going to marry, thought, you know, the, the game was done for me. This is the end. I'm going to be with him forever. And I told him that, you know, so he knew this. I told him oh listen this this is a good friend and I and I always wanted to be very upfront with him and explain to him you know uh, yes I do have men in my life but it's not sexual by any means so uh, you know I told him that you know this is a good friend you'll meet him at some point which I think he did and I told him that every year I spend his birthday with him we usually go and get Chinese food and you know get a couple of drinks and we either like go somewhere for it or we just hang out at his place and watch the footy because that's what he likes I hate watching footy but I watch it with him because he's his birthday yeah it's his, and he's like one of my best mates he truly is and you know I told my partner this and I said oh listen this is coming up this is what I have to do I'm going I don't have to but I, I'm going to do this and I asked him you know and he was he was like yeah okay that's fine a few weeks later maybe a month or so he was pissed at me for that and he and I believe one of the things that he said was what woman goes over alone to another man's house <laughs> knowing who this person is knowing that I've completely told him many times that there's nothing romantic nothing sexual he's literally just a mate but he was carrying an anger even after he said yes no that's fine go and do it he was carrying this anger yeah. around so it, how would what would you say to me to sort of deal with this or how would I what tools could I use to assuage my partner that look I'm faithful I'm mm. you know I mean this guy he was the love of my life like I've never loved anyone like this I haven't loved anyone after like mm. this you know and and obviously I had to let him go because there were these issues but yeah. if I had stuck it out and wanted to work through them how would you coach me to do that? Ooh, that's a, t I mean, this is deep. Well, this is deep. <laughs> what you are describing is an example of toxic monogamy. And okay. I would say that you're not the one who has to work through anything. Mm. He's the one who has to work through things. Amen. And I, if you were in that situation with him still, I might recommend both of you coming in to see me. Yeah. Because... Not to gang up on the guy and say, hey, you need to change. Sure. But to uncover what is causing those feelings. Yeah. Because a lot of times, and this goes back to what we were saying before about jealousy and handling jealousy. I have worked with monogamous couples. I have worked with monogamous individuals as well who struggle with 
feelings of jealousy in relationships. And a lot of times what that signals is something something that they're insecure about within themselves. Oh, yeah, 100%. And that's something that we can almost weaponize mm. for our own personal development. It's like, ah, that's the thing that's upsetting me. That is why I don't like when she's going to this guy's house. That's something I feel like I'm lacking. Mm. And if it's important enough to me that it makes me feel these feelings, then that's something I need to change. Sure. And that's something that I've experienced as well. Yeah. Especially early on when Tony and I opened up our relationship. You know, we were like on dating apps and stuff and he'd show me the people that he was matching with and I'd show him the people I was matching with and you know, there were one or two instances where I was like, hmm, okay, she looks she looks okay. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a nice enough human being. But there was something kind of like, uh, and I was like, why is it that this person is creating this reaction in me as opposed to other people? And what is that actually teaching me? Mm. And it, it's a little, it might sound a little silly, but in one instance, what that indicated to me, or one thing that I was confronted by was this other person was involved in a lot of sports and physical activities that involved upper body strength. Ah, uh, uh, so it was, a oh, so something that you didn't feel you had. And I was like, you know what? It's always bothered me that I don't have the kind of upper body strength that I wish I did. Mm. And it's like, wow, is that really what was causing that burning sensation in my stomach? And once I came to terms with that, I was like, all right, well, going to do some push-ups now. <laughs> 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 like put, put actions in place sure. to overcome so that jealousy feeling. in a way is almost like a trigger to better, uh, better ourselves. Yeah. It can it be. It tells right. you what you want to change. Well, on that note, let's take a short break, and then we'll be back with our wonderful guest. Are you a grown-up? Who loves Disney? Are you a grown-up who wants all the facts? Are you a grown-up who spends copious hours arguing with friends and family about the deep intellectual properties of your favourite Disney movie? Do you want to delve deeper into the realms of Disney with us? I'm Stacy, And I'm Georgina. And, and together, together, we're Disney grown-up. We are the place to get all of the intellectual debate on your favourite Disney movie. Get all of those fun facts. And a whole heap of raw reactions to all of those interesting Disney movie moments. You can find us where any good podcast is found or on our website, thatsnotcanonproductions.com. Join us for Disney Grown Up. You know you want to. A That's Not Canon Productions podcast. And we're back. And ladies and gentlemen, we are talking with the beautiful Leslie Crudup Via Garcia. Oh, mm. look at you. Yes. Ole. Yes, no, I'm getting my Spanish back on. Um, and we've just been talking about relationships and polyamory and how and you. Jealousy. And jealousy, yes, yeah. and, and how you cope with things. Now, Leslie is a life coach. Um, and we're talking about coaching relationship coaching through relationships some ideas and throw on some examples that are just like yeah. put on the spot but <laughs> i'm not going to what i'm going to do is ask you about your youtube channel okay. yes so what's the name of the youtube channel it is leslie v coaching 
Leslie V Coaching. And yeah. what's your signature color? <laughs> I'm gonna go with purple. <laughs> How'd you guess? Purple. I wear purple. I wear so much purple, partly because it's my my main branding color for my business. But I also hate shopping. So when I see something purple, I'm like, that's it. I want it. Mm. So I've got a wardrobe like a cartoon character. You open <laughs> my closet and it's like purple. That's amazing. Love that. <laughs> Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like None of us know that song. Yeah. <laughs> so my YouTube channel is named after my business. How long right. has that been going for? I started it in, I think, May of 2019. Okay. And mainly as a way to create a library of content that would help my, my existing clientele navigate through some things, but also just as a way to reach out to people for, you know, for personal development purposes. Mm. So I create videos around relationships, around different mindset issues. And you dispel myths with some of those yeah. videos as well. Yeah. So yeah, especially in 2020, my content started taking on a bit of a different flavor. Let me guess. Was <laughs> COVID related? Oh, partly. There's but a little bit there. The big trigger was Black Lives Matter. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, I was a bit obtuse then. Oh, Tell no, no, because they do tie in very closely. Mm -hmm. I made a video in 2020 called Life Coaches Need to Better Support the Black Lives Matter Movement. And the, the overall message of this video was that there were a lot, or... The primary reason I made the video was because of what I was seeing a lot of people in the personal development world posting in response to Black Lives Matter. That was really the genesis of all of this conspiracy theory, QAnon, all this stuff that came out of this, like, like oh, you know, if you choose to see racism in the world, that's what you're going to see. We can just transcend this. It's like, no, we can't. When people who have, you know, a lot of people who have never really left Australia mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> or for any, you know, significant amount, like length of time, or people who have grown up in a very privileged position telling people who are actively fighting against oppression that they need to just chill out, that they need to just think happy thoughts, that they need to just live, laugh, love their way out of everything. I found that infuriating, especially mm. because so many of these coaches tout these messages of stepping into your power and you know I can teach you how to become fearless and overcome anything then when it really matters, and at that case, when it really came to a head, they were just silent. Mm. And if they weren't silent, they were spouting rhetoric that was actively harming these movements. Mm, and insensitive. Yeah. Very insensitive. But the reason that also ties into COVID stuff is that... It's not just a thing we can pretend doesn't exist. So many people 
you know, I was saying to someone the other day, it, it, or maybe it was just something I posted on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying to many someones. Life and Facebook <laughs> all at the same time. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes being, you know, a full-time life coach, being in the personal development industry feels like being in the lion's den of the COVID debate. Mm. Because there are a lot of very strong personalities sending these different messages about um, you know, whether or not we should be putting anything unnatural into our bodies or you know, what it means to be a free sovereign being and like these discussions that have come up around so-called freedom. Mm. Right, I can see the... the mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't want to delve too deeply into that no, side. No, of but things, I get, but I get it, and yeah, it, it actually it feels like really, re- sorry, bad word, retarded for for white people to not acknowledge the symbiotic relationship with this whole whole thing. Mm. Right, black lives do matter. They always yeah. have, and they yeah. sh- should always. I think also with COVID, with a lot of people being indoors and unable to get out, they were more aware of things going on because, I mean, they turned to watching things on television. Mm -hmm. And so you had more people not just focused on themselves anymore Mm -hmm. because, I mean, they were at home with themselves. So they could focus on something else. And, you know, it was... I heard a lot of I didn't know it was I didn't know it was this bad I didn't mm-hmm. know you know mm-hmm. and it's kind of you know like people have been talking for years yeah. years I go back and like, I listen to you know a, um, a podcast called Code Switching oh, yeah. Code Switch and they bring up you know like rap songs from the 80s yeah. you know rap was new in what the late 70s and you you listening to these lyrics and the same things that they're talking about back then is what's happening today. Exactly. It it's just never changed. And no one, you know, people say, oh, you know, rap music. Like we, instead of listening to the lyrics in the song and <laughs> saying, okay, what's going on in our society? We just slapped parental advisory stickers on it yeah. and we tried to get the music banned. Yeah. You know, and, and so no one was listening. No one was paying yeah. attention. The powers that be were trying to shut it down. Yeah. People were being jailed for their lyrics. They didn't yeah. do anything, yeah. but because of their lyrics, they were being put in jail. Well, you know, the, the lyrics say this, so you could potentially do something, and <laughs> they were being able to get juries to convict people. You know, So y- we've got these things happening in society, and no one is paying attention. And then yeah. all of a sudden, when everybody was stuck inside, and people were like, our freedoms, and they'd started to become hyper-aware of what society truly is. Yeah. And that, and, and you know, and there have been lots of conversations of why now? Mm. Why, why is it, why, why are you listening now? Black Lives Matter has been around for a few years now, yeah. you know, like five years at least. I but thought Black Lives Matter have been around since the Black Panthers. No, well, no. Black well, Black Lives Matter as, as, as a, a movement. movement. Yeah. Yeah. The way we, we, um, the way we understand it as a movement currently. Like my yeah. dad was a Black Panther. Mm. And um, it was, at that time, it was fighting a very similar machine, mm. but it was a the movement was packaged in a very different context. Yep. But um, yeah, it's like exactly what what mm. you were saying. Like you you've seen my speech that I made at that first rally. Yes. Yep. Um, <coughs> my overarching message, and the thing that I had written on my sign that I took to the march was 
solidarity is not just a hashtag. Yes. Yeah. And I knew, and one of the reasons that some of my African American friends living in Brisbane didn't go to the rally was because, you know, we could see what was coming. Mm. And I think a lot of people could see what was coming. A lot of people were going to, you know, run out onto the streets, get their Instagram pictures, hashtag solidarity, and then that... Disappear. Disappear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's what happens. Disappear into the distance. Yeah. And at some point you get tired, you know, when you've been preaching it, preaching it. So, you know, you put it in your music, you get jailed for it. You try to put it in your speech, you might get killed for it. You know, like it's just, and and it's, it's not, oh, it's, that was only in the sixties. That's shit that's happened (laughs) up to today, but no one listens or, you know, you get told it's all in your head. Oh, you just think that it's not that bad or you need to come from a place of love. Mm. If you don't, if you think it, then that's what you're going to experience, you know? And it's like, but no, this is reality. This is reality. People like, Kanye <laughs> and whoever well, else. He's special. By the way, the, the pause before the Kanye was a massive roll of her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Kanye, if you're listening, tough. <laughs> Kanye, yeah. shut up. Kanye, come talk to me. Like we can work through this. Yeah, man. and also mm. shut, okay. up. <laughs> shut up. Well, this whole idea that black slavery was a mindset problem—it's like no, no, wow. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. That's the other thing that happens, and that's one thing that so many people in the personal development industry jumped upon. Mm. Any dissenting voices of like black conservatives mm-hmm. or um, black people who were speaking out against the message of Black Lives Matter. They were upheld as these as these beacons, mm. but a lot of the messaging around motivation had also changed in terms of like uh, what am I trying to say? Yeah, another thing that I kept seeing on Instagram, on Facebook, from these from the hashtag blessed crowd <laughs> was like pictures of Dr. Martin Luther King walking arm in arm with these people wearing suits on a Sunday and with the with captions like you know this is what a peaceful protest is this is you know this was a man with a message and it's like every time i saw one of those memes i commented he got killed too yeah and he was seen as a terrorist yeah he was seen as a terrorist he was seen as an enemy I guess it's people not he understanding history or or delving into it correctly how much does black lives matter how does black lives matter america correlate with black lives matter in australia well see that's another complicated issue because of course with the black lives matter activism that has happened in australia a lot of it has been um uh, let's say powered by the indigenous community which 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 I'm in favor of for sure but one little point of contention there has been like you know this is a a question I've asked like the African Americans in Australia Facebook group and you know in Zoom meetings that we had before these big protests erupted we were kind of communicating together going um where are we meant to fit in in all of this mm. you know didn't black lives matter come out of the African-American experience. Mm. And it became very clear also that, well, I wouldn't say it became clear, but 
we felt like we had been completely overlooked and that we were being silenced in some instances. Like there, there what, were silenced here in Australia? Well, yeah, th there were attempts by some people to, you know, to, to get the permits, to set up the protests and everything, but our community is so small and we don't have the same history of activism within this community that we just didn't have the numbers. Like one thing that I did from the beginning was reach out and reach out and reach out. It's like, hey, I'm here, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'd mm. like to talk about this and that, like, you know, if, or help out in some way, this is what I'm going. It was such a massive headache to get anyone to even reply to me. All I wanted to know was if there was any African American representation amongst the organization of the event, you know, in the speakers list, and no one could give me any answers. Mm. I was being shuttled from one person to another, to another, to another. And then I had to get one of our local politicians involved just to like, <laughs> you know, help amplify my concern a bit. It's like, um, hey, mm. you should probably respond to this person because she's got a very valid question. Mm. Because the other issue was that, you know, there were, and, and this isn't me slighting the indigenous community in any way. Like, you know, like I'm, I'm in full support of everything that they're doing. But, um, and... Because they are our black lives. In yeah. Australia, mm. those exactly. are our black lives. Exactly. I respect that you guys have come from America and, and I've come from New Zealand. Mm. And your black, black lives in general, in general, Māori, uh, yes. black lives matter. Mm. Yes. I get that. But, like, that's our black lives. Our mm. black lives in Australia are Aboriginal. Yeah, mm. exactly. And, uh, but I also understand that Australians were grandstanding on the whole hashtag Black Lives Matter, which is American thing. Yeah. So and you I needed to have an American voice? And I wouldn't even necessarily call it grandstanding because, like, um, there's also agreement amongst the African-American community in Australia that, like, no, no, no. Like, here, they need this movement. Mm, mm. The deaths in custody that have happened to, like, indi indigenous people in Australia with no convictions mm -hmm. is horrifying. Yeah. I also made another video on YouTube about why the BLM protests here had to happen when they did. Mm. The overarching message being that now, or you know, then, was when people were actually paying attention. Yeah. Like I wanted to see these marches be successful, but what was painful for me as an African American person, also in, and, and again, this isn't a slight on anyone, there were a lot of people involved there was very little time to organize things. Like, I get that. But, you know, in one instance, and this wasn't even, like, from one of the um, Aboriginal activists. This was someone else entirely. I had to explain to this person, like, that there were some African speakers involved. I was like, no, no, no. You didn't answer my question. I asked about African Americans. Mm. because these are completely different cultures, mm. completely different contexts. And it wasn't even so much that like, like no, 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 I, I want my voice to be heard. It was like, I want some confirmation that someone has considered us. Yeah. That someone has thought about 
what we're experiencing being on this side of the planet when our family is over there still in the line of fire from that particular struggle from which this current one or this local one was you know birthed in mm. terms of BLM as a movement mm, and on that on that note guys let's take a short break That's Not Canon is a community committed to giving new podcasters a platform to share their voices and have some fun. If you would like to get started podcasting or simply enjoy this podcast and would like to find out more, you can head over to our website at that'snotcanon.com. If you simply want to support us and what we do, we would very much welcome your patronage at patreon.com forward slash that's not canon. And we're back. And we've just been chatting with Leslie. We've got a bit deep there. So we were talking about the Black Lives Matter movement in Australia and and the lack of representation of African Americans in even though yeah, there are a number of African society, yeah. yeah, there are a number of African Americans in Australia. And I I get exactly where you're coming from. And my view, there's a couple of things. So I know that people tend to lump us all together with Africans. So that tends to happen. A lot of people don't realize that there are African Americans here. Um, it goes back to that, well, where are you really from sort of question. So when you say, yes, I'm American, that that doesn't commute, compute, sorry. That doesn't compute with a lot of people. So they lump us in with the Africans. So if they get an African speaker, oh, well, you're all, you, all of the dark African people have been covered because we get an African person. They don't actually think of us as a different culture. The second thing, and the only reason I believe this, and I know this is not true for everyone, but there are a lot of people who just don't like Americans. There's a, there's a deep resentment of the American culture. They feel it's taking over of the American people, the American voice even. You know, so they don't want to hear us. They feel that we already have a big enough platform for the world, which is true. We do. We have a massive. Asabi, you just nailed it on the head. What yeah. I was just thinking in my head was, uh, we're sick of listening to Americans. I exactly. Respect <laughs> Black Lives yeah. Matter a hundred percent. Yep. Mm. But America, shush. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. And and I get that. It's a movement that has been born out of our country. Mm. But that's what happens. America creates things and then it gets taken elsewhere and yeah. those other countries then adapt it to suit their own uh, culture, their, their own identity. And I, as an actor, I have struggled with that. I've struggled with people saying, oh, but there are no African-American actors in Australia. And, you know, and it's like, well, hello. <laughs> mm. There are. But I, also, I understand that I'm going to be overlooked because... There is, a, I don't know if it's a resentment, but there is a dislike. And people may not want to acknowledge it. It might be subconscious, mm. but I guess the good thing about being a black American in Australia is that people don't automatically know I'm American. So they say things, and I hear them say things. I hear how they talk about America. And, you know, and then when they find out I'm American, then they backpedal. Because they don't actually want people to know that they have a huge dislike of America, but they do. Yeah. And I also believe that that's why, as Americans, we sort of lay low yeah, that's why you when suffer we're here. A bit. You know, well, I don't feel that we suffer. Well, like I know that a lot of did. well, 
I mean, when we come here to Australia, a lot of African Americans come here and it's different for us. We're not black indigenous, so we don't get the same sort of racist treatment. Mm. At least I never have. And most of my friends, like a bunch of us were talking on set. And one of the things that we said was we don't, like people don't actually put us down because they don't know and they just assume we're African and it's, and, w- and we're, we're held to a different standard. Those same stereotypes that we face in America, we don't face over here because mostly people don't know those stereotypes. You know, like when I make jokes about eating watermelon and, you know, they're like, what? Yeah, <laughs> it's really hot yeah. yeah, exactly. People are they're <laughs> like, we eat watermelon. We love it. What? Yeah. You know, it's really delicious. you know, and so it's a lot of black people just it's a relief to be over here because you don't have that societal pressure on you mm. to either oh well you don't act like black people I see on TV you know like I mean mm. the shit that used to that I used to hear mm. it was even though you just grin through it and you're like oh ha, 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 it's soul destroying yeah, it's terrible it's, it's that Australians have a different um, less less d- developed I guess relationship with race relations mm, mm. than say you know, the U.S. and yeah. a lot of other countries, and the yeah the flavor of racism and discrimination that I experience here is like you said like very different, different mm. from what I experienced in the U.S. Mm, mm. It's still it's there, there, right? It's mm. just, you know, it tastes a little different. Yeah, I mean, people aren't trying to kill you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like, I've, that's like, really yeah. Like, that was, that's, that was really highlighted for me in 2020. Mm. And even, uh, it was one of the things that made me, hmm, it, it I know, right? It's hard. <laughs> it's hard to pinpoint the words. Yeah, <laughs> wanting, wanting to educate, yep. but being bloody exhausted at the same time. It's like, no. It's mm. like, but knowing that, you know, there are people who really want to try to understand our experience and try to like dismantle their own internalized racism and their their beliefs mm. and it's like look i i really want to help you but i just don't have the time the mm. energy to educate every person who mm-hmm. has a question for me which is one of the reasons that i fight that much harder against these damaging messages in mm. the personal development community around what we should or shouldn't be doing to overcome the struggles that have been put in put in our path. Sure. It's like sure, in some cases, the challenges that we face are ones that we can overcome with some planning, with some mindset shifting, with some reframing. Like 100% like like that 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 is possible. But no amount of meditation, no amount of I don't know, chakra healing or Reiki is going to help someone, is, is going to pluck someone out of systemic racism. Sure. It's generational. Yeah. And generational it, trauma yeah. is not mm. something that you can just... Pray away. Exactly. And, and then there's the whole idea that by not just, you know, doing the positive vibes only thing, 
that somehow we're playing the victim. Mm, <laughs> it's like, uh, exactly. no, yeah. this is not about a victim mindset at all. Mm. There's nothing victim-y about actively fighting back yes. something. And fighting for your life. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, I mean, it's not just your life. It's your life and every generation to come because yeah. I believe they've done studies and they've found that generational trauma can go as far back as seven generations. Yeah. Yep. You know? I remember reading an article about that too. Yep. Yeah. So it, you know, it, it's going to take a lot of work, a lot How far do you reckon work. we are in the generation scope, scope of things? Well, because let's I see. Like the last couple of years we did pretty good. Like yeah. everybody knows now, BLE, <laughs> right? Whether we yeah. are good, okay, medium, mm-hmm. kind of shit, or incredibly, oh, I'm not even going to say it, but incredibly aware Mm-hmm. and have done the research and done the study, but does it still change the mindset? I think in some cases, like I know for myself, one of the reasons I don't want to have children is because my great-great-grandmother was bred. She was literally bred to make human beings. And there's always, I, I've never really been able to fully, like I, I could never understand it, even as a child. I just couldn't fathom the idea of using my body to create life. Just the thought of it was mm-hmm. disgusting to me. And as I learned through my history, I was like, far out. <laughs> oh, God, let's not go into childbirth. <laughs> but I mean, it, well, and, and it's not even, and it's not that I've never, like, I wanted kids, but I just didn't want to create them mm. by any means. I was not, like, I mean, I held off on having sex because I was like, there's no fucking way that's going to happen to me. Mm. No way. Ever. And even to this day, I still don't want children. I don't want to create them. Neither yeah. do I. You know, but I'll ha- like I'm happy to look after kids and take care of them. And if I ever did, like I mean, I did date somebody with a child, and I was happy to take on that mom role. But there is no part of me that is going to allow my body to bring life into the. It's just not going to happen. Mm. It's just not. Hold on. Mm, it is. It's and it, it took a while for me to completely understand where that was coming from and why. I've always had an aversion yeah. to it and i believe it is generational trauma yeah i truly believe and that that's, that's what it is that a lot of people don't understand about the experiences of people of color from various backgrounds have a different lens that they're seeing things through mm. that influence their choices and the way they make decisions for their lives that will impact their community and the world around them yep one of the things that i know talk about when I do talk about Black Lives Matter or race relations is this idea of you know in black families we would say work twice as hard to get half as far yep (laughs) it's because when you are a black person and speaking from my own experience as well as a black woman black Latina woman I feel like I'm not allowed to make mistakes. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not something that prevents me from doing things because I'm pretty good at sticking my neck out all the time. I'm like the vulnerability queen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But, but it's like, even just to be taken seriously in the context of coaching, in the context of personal development, in the context of business, mm-hmm. you have to know your shit. Yep, you do. And 
you have to kind of make sure people know that you know your shit. Mm. Not just so they'll go, oh, wow, that's amazing. But so that they'll go, huh, okay, you're invited into the conversation. Mm. I can take you seriously now. I got so sick of going to networking events where all people wanted to do was talk about my hair. That's like all they wanted to talk to me about. And I was like, are you serious? Oh, oh, this has happened a lot. Mm. (laughs) Or, or you know, like, Asabi, you'll know this experience where someone gets, like, they don't really know what to say to you, so they just start, like, unconsciously naming random black people they know and admire. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, no, no, I'm cool with the blacks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, no, no, it's okay. I have a black friend. Yeah, it's like, we weren't, we weren't even talking about that. It's okay. I really like Blade and Wesley Snipes. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. I had a woman <laughs> once, I was in line uh, to meet an artist at Blues Fest in Byron Bay. Oh, is that when I was with you? No, this was oh. before I met you. Oh. And I had my hair in two strand twists, mm. you know, and I was standing there and all of a sudden I felt someone pulling on my hair. <laughs> The woman behind me. And so I turned around and she said, oh, no, my husband is black. As if that made it okay (laughs) for her to yank on my hair. And it wasn't like a gentle, she literally yanked Mm. it. And I was like, whoa. But I mean, and I'm like that, (laughs) I'm glad you have a black husband that does not give you the right to come up and start pulling my hair. Sometimes it's just hilarious. Isn't it? It is, uh, and I mean, and what do you say? Like you don't. Fuck off. Well, no, because there's so there's a whole list of stereotypes associated with why we don't do that. And grab my hair. Mm -hmm. I would turn around, punch me in the face. Yeah, that's happening like once a week. Yeah, it used to happen. I would have people walk up to me on the street in Brisbane and want to touch my hair because, oh uh, yeah. and I'm like, wow, really? Can well, I if your husband is black, then you don't need to grab my hair. Yeah, <laughs> go grab his. <laughs> exactly. Like but yeah. I mean, there's so, a, a, one of the things that we're taught as children, as black children, is that we need to make other people feel comfortable around us. Mm. Because, thing, and this is only in America, I don't know if this happens here with the indigenous people, but things that, ha- like, and we see this on the news, someone gets mad at you, they get on the phone, they call the police, a black woman is harassing me. Yep. And that's all they have to say because yep. they know that the police will come down and use force. Yep. So you have to be careful. And that's today. That's today. So you can imagine when I was a kid growing up, told you have to make them feel comfortable around you yeah. i was always the only black person i grew up in a very white area of america in a very white neighborhood went to all white schools yeah. but i was the one that always had to work to make sure that they were comfortable even though i was one mm. just one out of maybe 30 out of a hundred out yeah. of a thousand i had to make them feel comfortable yeah because me being there, my one little black eight-year-old self would be enough to make them uncomfortable. Yeah. I remember in grade three, third grade, a uh, little girl was having a birthday party. I was the only one that wasn't invited because her parents didn't like black people. Yep. Mm-hmm. That, so that's... Well, parents, it's like continuation yes. of bullshit. Exactly. Yeah. But that's, that's what we have to live with. So, and, and when, you know, people say, oh, just rise above, it's, <laughs> yes, we do, we do rise above, you know, this is why we, we don't get upset, we don't, you know, do things, because then there's the angry black woman stereotype, yeah. you know, so you, it's almost like you, ju- you have to just grin it, 
take it. You know, when someone says, oh, you you look like a good friend of mine from Ghana, and then they want to tell you all about their time in Ghana. Are you from Ghana? No, but <laughs> tell me. Let's Let's sit down. I was going to have a nice peaceful lunch by myself, but come on. Come sit with me and tell me about your time in Ghana. And that also you know, to this this societal pressure that sometimes, when as a black person you create, you know, a business, when you create some music, or when you create a piece of art, that somehow there'll be someone out there who feels like they're entitled to understand your whole experience because you exist and your project exists to educate mm-hmm. white people. Yeah, exactly. And, like, no. and sometimes it's just that you want to write a catchy fucking lyric. Yeah. <laughs> That's all it is. What does this mean to you as a black woman? <laughs> it's like, look, like, I, th- I do have feelings around this, but, you know, like, I don't want to discuss that angle of mm. things when we could just be talking about the art. That's the right. Work. I'm just crossing the ocean. Does that symbolize when your people were kidnapped <laughs> and brought over from slavery? Like no, it's just the water is blue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just enjoyed the water. It was great. I didn't even think about that, but thanks. Yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> what? My glass is empty. It is. Guys, and this has been an epic conversation. Um, I need to know more. How do we find out more and make ourselves better people? <laughs> Go. Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, you can always... Get on my website, leslievcoaching.com, and book a free life coaching consultation with me. Excellent. So I coach people online and in person in my full little office in Tenerife. And I tell you what, I love having a private office. That's one thing that I feel is a bit of a point of difference in what I do sometimes with coaching because so much of coaching is done online. And I'm a tech person, so I love coaching online. But having a private space for people to, like, share their intimate thoughts. Separate from their house, separate from your house. Yeah, exactly. And even things like mediation, like when I'm helping two people mediate some sort of disagreement they're having, that's where this level of black diplomacy comes in. Mm -hmm. Having practiced that makes it uh, very natural to be a mediator. I'm getting cat scratches here. Yeah, she's she's a fun little she's getting kitten. Excited. So my office is where a lot of very interesting, world-changing things happen. Good. <laughs> um, that yeah. makes me happy. And my YouTube channel, of course. Um, Instagram. Instagram, yeah. Facebook. Are you on the Twitter? Uh, I I think my <gasps> my planner posts Twitter, but I don't. Really I think pay much you might be a YouTube face. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're know. a YouTube face. Twitter is a very um concerning place for me yeah Yeah, it's it's difficult and you know there is black twitter as well yeah Yeah, so yeah oh no it's a whole nother thing like it's no (laughs) so my handle mm. on my social media profiles is leslie v coaching yes on pinterest my pinterest is all motivational quotes from black and latina women oh beautiful i'll have to find and add you on pinterest like i'm just gonna throw some random motivational quote that sounds good but means nothing to me or my legacy sure Mm. there like i don't do that everything i post is somehow connected to me and my experience beautiful Beautiful. I love, love it. it. I love our authentic chat we've had with you. Yeah, Thank it's so been really good. It was very today. deep. Thank you. Thanks Thank you. So do you have anything coming up that we should know about? Oh, I've always got s- 
things coming up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be doing a lot more interview-style content on my YouTube channel, you know, with the people who I consider mindset champions. Sure, yeah. People with interesting stories. Everyone's got an interesting story in them. You know, someone once told me that, and I said, I don't. <laughs> oh, come on. Well, I mean, I do now, but back then, this was like 20 years ago, I was like, I've done nothing in my life. I'm not interested at all. I think it might be time to play a game. I think it is time. I've got the other thing. Oh, yes. What else have you got? So I am working on some some workshops and things like that. I'll have more information about that on my website. I've got a book club that I run every month. The focus is on personal development. We read the hits mostly because these are the things that people are excited about. These are the things that are impacting people Mm -hmm. or impacting the personal development sphere. And that's a meetup group. There are links to that on my website as well. And I'm going to start running some retreats, hopefully in the next, well, you know, as things lift with restrictions. Oh, I love retreats. Mm. Yeah, well, we, we can chat. Tell me I everything think you want in a retreat. Well, I can I can help you. I've my parents have got a place you can use and have camping. Oh, yes. Mm. They've got a massive property. That'd be amazing. Wicked. And there's a pool. I see some <laughs> pieces of paper. Right. So... We're going to take a little break and then we're going to come back with our segment, Open Up. And now we're back, ladies and gentlemen. We have been talking with Leslie Crude Up Via Garcia, life coach extraordinaire. (laughs) And we are going to play our lovely game, Open Up. Ness, tell us how it's played. So, Open Up is uh, brought to you by Wiggity Bang, where we are asked questions that ask us uh, to open up. Yes. So go so for am it. I opening up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You oh, ask us you. and okay. we respond. So pick one. Asabi's going to answer you first. So oh, am it. I? Oh, read I'm it. You. Okay. Yes. Well, we've been talking to you for the past like hour. <laughs> oh, well, I'm a professional listener. I so rarely get to be heard. <laughs> really? Right. Uh, if there was, should be were, if there w- was a zombie apocalypse, would you be a loner or the leader of a crew? Oh, Jesus. Okay. Well, first of all, we need to talk about my disgust and hatred of the whole zombie thing. I just think it's dumb. Um, I would probably be a loner because pe- other pe- fuck other people. They'd just be stupid and slow me down. You hear that? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I no, don't know. I, um, I, I get that. <laughs> I've always thought I would be a leader because I'm very good at organizing and um, I like telling people what to do. Um but I Did also you hear that? <laughs> I also I also agree that when it comes to a zombie apocalypse, I'd be like, You should you're holding me back. You're slowing me down. Mm-hmm. You're a tasty morsels for these little dudes. So I'll mm. chuck you out as bait while I run in the opposite direction. All right, your turn. If there was a zombie apocalypse, would you be a loner or a leader of the group? I would be a leader of the group. I would say, Hey, let's throw all the zombie conspiracy theorists at the zombies as bait. And we can parkour our way out of this shit. Get it. Nice. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, and see, that's the, yeah, see, that would be hard. I can't sacrifice people. I, would. I just. <laughs> oh, well, I wouldn't actively throw them. They'd oh, well, be the I ones would. going like, no, 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 this is some leftist Marxist conspiracy. We're, we're just going to stand out here with the Chuck zombies em. and it'll be fine. They're so going to, m- <laughs> they'll have like, a march. Yeah, yeah, I'll be like. Commander, chuck him. Yes. Purple commander. Well, and sometimes <laughs> when you have a group of people, it just takes too long to make a decision. Exactly. You just need to, like, cut your shit and go. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like zombie exactly. apocalypse. You know what? I, I don't believe a zombie apocalypse is coming. I, I really don't at all. But nah. if it did, um, follow me. Follow me. It'll be all so right. I have another question now. 
No, God, no. Is it just the one? We're done. That's just the one. We're okay. done. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Asabi. This is Vanessa. And you have been listening to Wine, Wine and Sympathy. Sympathy. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.